The planetismal began as a region of above-average density that occurred by chance in a swirling cloud of dust and gas condensing out of the expanding vastness of space. Gently at first, but at a rate that grew steadily faster as time went by, it continued to sweep up the smaller accretions in its vicinity until it had grown to a rough spheroid of compressed dust and rock measuring fifty feet across. Eventually the planetismal itself came under the pull of a larger body that had been growing in similar fashion and began falling toward it. It impacted at a speed of over ten miles per second, releasing the energy equivalent of a one hundred kiloton bomb and blasting a crater more than half a mile in diameter. Shortly afterward, as measured on a cosmic timescale, a second planetismal fell close by and created another crater of similar dimensions. The distance between the crater centers was such that the raised rims of debris thrown up by the explosions merged together for a distance, resulting in the formation of a ridge of exaggerated height between the two basins. In the time that followed, the rain of meteorites continued, pulverizing the landscape into a wilderness of sharp-grained dust to a depth of several feet, the desolation being relieved only by the occasional outcrop or shattered boulder. The outlines of the craters were slowly eroded away and stirred back into the sea of dust. When the bombardment at last petered away, all that remained of the ridge was a rounded hummock to mark where the rims had intersected, a mound of dust and rock debris, forty feet high and several hundred long. There it remained as one of the weary but triumphant survivors that were left to stare out over the gently rolling wastes that stretched to the horizon. From then on, the ridge remained essentially unchanged. A steady drizzle of micrometeorites continued to erode the top millimeter or so of its surface, exposing fresh material to trap hydrogen and helium nuclei from the solar wind. Particles from sporadic solar flares caused isolated nuclear transformations down to several centimeters, and cosmic rays penetrated slightly farther. But in terms of its size, shape, and general appearance, the ridge had become a permanent feature on a changeless world. Four billion years later, give or take a few, Commander Jerry Fields, assigned to the International Space Administration's lunar base at Reinhold, was standing staring up at that same ridge. Beside him, similarly clad in a blue-gray spacesuit bearing the golden-flashed ISA shoulder insignia, Cal Pasco frowned through his visor, studying the line of the ridge with an engineer's practiced eye. Well, what do you think? Fields inquired into his radio. See any problems? Mm, uh uh Pasco's reply was slow and noncommittal as he squinted against the glare of the setting sun. He turned to stare back at the metallic glint that marked the position of the base at the foot of the low hills on the skyline behind them, then returned his gaze to the ridge to register mentally a couple of salient boulders near its crest. Nope, no problems, he said at last. I think I've seen all I need. Let's get back to the truck and get the job scheduled. We can't do any more here until the computers have figured out how they're going to handle it. The mass driver at Masculine, over a thousand miles away on the western edge of Tranquilatus, had been in operation for almost a decade. It had been built as part of the Explorer, Exploitation of Lunar Ore Reserves, project to hurl lunar rock up into orbit for metal extraction and construction of the huge space colonies being assembled within several hundred thousand miles of Earth.
In fact, the title was something of a deliberate misnomer. There were, of course, no true ores on the moon. Ores in the sense of metal-rich substances concentrated by weathering and geological processes. Deep below the surface, however, were rich accumulations of titanium, aluminum, iron and such like that had been precipitated by thermofluidic processes operative during the moon's early history. The compounds bearing these elements had been dubbed ores by the media, and the name had stuck. The mass driver was a five-mile-long, ruler-straight track flanked by two hedges of continuous electromagnetic windings, an immense linear accelerator stretching westward across Tranquilatus.